Welcome to the First Issue Club. We're your weekly comic book podcast that talks almost exclusively First Issue comics. This week, we got a hullabaloo. So we many. Got, we've got a jamboree of First Issues. That's what you call a cluster of First Issues. It's like a murder of crows. Old jamboree of comics. <laughs> We had a jamboree of firsts. Oh, yeah. I'm not even going to get into the titles. You'll find them out as we get to them. (laughs) You just wait. You just wait. We'll leave breadcrumbs throughout the entire episode of what we're covering. (laughs) Who's in the club today? I'm Mike D. I'm I'm Greg. I'm Budget King. Great. We're here. We're all here. What's on the agenda today, fellas? First issues. Well, yeah. (laughs) And news. Comic book news in general. Thanks for helping him along. (laughs) Yeah. You're very welcome. Sometimes we need bread crumbs. You got something that you're sitting on, a little article or something. Oh, okay. So it's the 10th anniversary of Skybound. Mm-hmm. And which is the image imprint. Yes. The image imprint of which I think they try to put like their fire shit on. Well, the- I think it's exclusively Robert Kirkman spearheaded books. Yeah. So there are Skybound books that he's not in. Is he just like editing those? I think he's like executive producer, if you <laughs> What's will. What's the comic equivalent? He's like creative director on those books? Essentially, yeah. My understanding is that he looks over the shoulder of the person writing. He micromanages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He goes, ooh, would you really want to write that? Well, I don't right know. there? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and they're going to do Skybound X, which is going to be a weekly comic book that's essentially like... From my understanding, it seems like Marvel 2099, but mostly Walking Dead characters. It centers around Rick Grimes and this new character, Calamity or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I, I always give, or we always give Robert Kirkman credit for shaking up the business and trying to give new blood to this bloated corpse of the comic book industry. So I think it's cool that he's doing it. Yeah, I Every- think it, I think it'll be fun. It's actually like some of the comic books that we're covering today. Uh-huh. Where it's like, if it's an Elseworld, is it a mm-hmm. first appearance? Is it a first costume? Is it like whatever? And I think, much like that comic we're covering today, in that comic it'll just be just for the readers. Just people who enjoy Walking Dead and Skybound and stuff like that. But yeah. it seems really cool. The covers they released, I don't know if you saw the covers mm-hmm. or scrolled through. They look insane. They look awesome. Weekly is too often. No thanks from me. <laughs> Hard pass by Mike D. Hard pass That's from a no me. thank you from Mike D. Oh, okay. Love Skybound. No thanks, dude. <laughs> I read a handful of articles today, and there were a lot of like subreddits about comic book prices this week and how people were just getting priced out. How many $6 comics are in your shop? Even the 499s were a yeah. little much, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think four I think they're creeping the four ninety nine into to be the new three ninety nine. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm seeing way more seven ninety nine comics that have, you know, the backup story and stuff like that. Yeah. Which we always talk about like I don't want that. I didn't ask for that. Yeah. Right. I'm here for Batman, not whoever the fuck's in the back. <laughs> um, but that's killing me. I don't know. Do you guys have a price that you draw the line at that you're just like, No, not above this? You know what is the problem? Is that I don't differentiate between three ninety nine and four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. I'm just like whatever, fine. You yeah. know, and mm-hmm. this and DC was right on their dollar more for their covers because yep. I don't care. I'll buy either one. Same. But once it gets into like, if I see like six ninety nine, I'm like, what is this? Over five bucks. It yeah. catches my eye, it, and I'm it like, better be I worth re- it. Yeah. Do I really need this? Yeah. I I can tell you for certain that I might give a six dollar. First issue, a chance just to see if it's amazing. Mm-hmm. If it's even, a, if it's like very good, let's put it in grading terms that comic book people can understand. If it's a 9.8, this is a very fine to very good comic. 
I'm not going to be buying subsequent issues at $6 a pop. That's wild. Do you know what is also insane to me is that the Comixology price is verbatim the same price. Yeah, Yeah, that's got to change. All right, let's get into some first issues. Hell yeah. Finally, this is what everybody's here for. Yeah. They're so pissed about the Grimes talk right there. There's a good chance it might be edited out. Hey, that's okay. (laughs) If you don't know what we're talking about, there's a secret conversation that never made it your way. (laughs) You guys want to start with Challenge of the Super Sons? Oh, I would love to, yeah. Am am I the only one who read this? Number one cover of the week. I'll give it that. Oh, it's a beautiful cover. This is the B. Beautiful. Peter Tomasi, popular DC writers, written a ton of stuff for them. This is so kind of in the weeds of what is currently going on with Super Sons already. It pops like in and out of a timeline, really hard to follow. Can I ask you this? Yeah. What does Robin offer in this duo? (laughs) Damien? Yeah, attitude. Superman's tag team partner is like a guy who wears a cape. Well, here's the thing. He's like brilliant. Okay. So he's solving the crimes and has the know-how, and then Superboy gets him there really fast. Okay. and, And they're genuine Friends. It's not more of like Superman wants to save the world. They just want to go on adventures together to better themselves and become the superheroes that they're supposed to be. Cool. Damien is my favorite Robin. Jonathan's just like a golden retriever. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he can blow your head off with his eye beams, but he's just so lovable that he's just kind of naive. All right. So side quest for Super Sons if you're a Super Sons fan. Yeah. They get handed some scroll by some character who like really doesn't get introduced and they have to save people. I don't know why, because they appear on their names appear on the scroll. Mm. Uh, it's like the opposite of Death Note. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of killing them, you have to save them. Yeah. Very confusing. <laughs> All right, let's go rapid fire. Next, next number one. I think we're gonna have more to say about this one. Spider Man Shadow. Ooh yeah. By Chip Zdarsky, Pascal Ferry. It in the very teensy corner. You may have noticed a new logo for What If Comics. Little little question mark. I love that. Just in the vein of what we've been saying about the covers, this does get worst cover of the week, though. Yeah. Like, throw up worst. Mm-hmm. It's so bleh. I'm like, what the hell? What happened here? <laughs> Did you get Maynard from Tool to, to create your uh, <laughs> your cover? <laughs> um, so Marvel's launching a new way to do what if. Yeah, Chip Zdarsky kind of explains it in the back of his. It's so it's so awesome. They're letting these like what if stories breathe, which is what I always wanted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what if is like as a kid, they're really fun because they're one offs. They're right. actually one of the few comic books as a kid you can just collect mm-hmm. and be like, I have the whole story. But here, if you're an adult, you want to see some of these stories grow, have some things happen, and that. So the, these what if series are going to have more length. And this is the famous what if Spider Man was a bad guy by keeping the symbiote suit. Which I loved. I love Chip Zdarsky, and we we kind of saw this when he did um, Spider-Man Life Story, which is essentially just an extended version of what if Peter Parker's life went on a different trajectory. With this one, we, we get to see him keep this the, the symbiote suit past Secret Wars 8 and how it kind of a, takes hold of him and affects his brain in a more sinister fashion. And I really think Chip has a strong grasp on who Peter Parker is and who Spider-Man is. Like, he has nailed the voice down almost pitch perfect. This was a great comic, and, and it I think it has the potential to change what-ifs forever. Like, the the trajectory of this, mm-hmm. because it had, that, it had that whiff of what-if where 
you're getting a little bit of like put him in all the situations that he kind of gets into so we could see how he's different right yeah so he's with hobgoblin he's with it may mary yeah, jane uh reed richards mm-hmm. um all that kind of stuff but then it's like oh but there's a bigger story here that's mm-hmm. gonna kind of dip its toes into what i think is like more horror in some ways yeah it, one of the things that i hate about some of the spinoffs is that it's just confusing as a consumer where they sit like when jj uh, abrams did what's technically considered oh like, yeah volume four of spider-man right and he just like made up a new scenario killed mary jane his son was also writing with him right yeah his yeah jj yeah, abrams Hank. son's writing with him <laughs> peter parker has a son and has lost an arm in this book and everyone's like where does this sit in the timeline it's just made up like put a what if in the corner of these it doesn't have to be an ongoing series just let me know that this is a fun Elseworld thing. So but <laughs> let me know I can forget this. So let me ask you this then. Where does like all things action Spider-Man fit then? Non-stop Spider-Man? There we go, yeah. I think that can realistically live mm-hmm. alongside mainline. Yep. And just say, you know, this happened a year ago or this happens a year in the future. Cause sure. that, that it's, not, just... it's not so far out of concept, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I don't think these are like, throwaway things that we can just like forget about either in these what if comics i think they're like like you said they're worth exploring maybe people do look at the what if in the corner and say i don't need to read this i think i think the what if's so innocuous that you just see new spider-man run and you go for it right and then you're like wait a minute this is a what if uh i read a commentary on this that said like this was so good that they could see some of the seating in the main line Ooh, that'd be a bad idea. <laughs> that would be a bad idea. So, yeah, I agree with that. That would be a bad idea, but I don't disagree with that it was that good. I love the situation that gets posed at the peak of this story that's like, okay, we've gone back to when Spider-Man had his black suit. He was battling with evil, and he won that battle, right? In this book, Aunt May gets attacked. And I'm like, hell, if this happened to actual Peter Parker in real line of Marvel Comics, he might have actually snapped like this. Mm-hmm. He yeah. might have, like, fucking... That might have been the thing that drove him to, like, kill somebody, which this book ends with Peter murdering Hobgoblin. I think he just, like, smashed his skull. Right. It was rad. He's hanging up just, like, gooping blood and flesh from his face at the end of this. Ba- Batman needs to hang out with uh, Spider Shadow a little more. New Spider. I, and I thought this, the scene you described was the most haunting because Peter wanted to save Aunt May. Yeah. But the Venom suit Kept wouldn't, him from doing wouldn't it. let him go any further because the fire would kill the symbiote. Mm, fire bad. And so you essentially just had to watch Peter watch Aunt May die, which is like fucking crazy. Yeah. The stakes are high for a comic book that won't matter. That like can't matter in the universe mm-hmm. and i think that's what a what if should do so yeah. chip nailed it chip should keep on just writing this i hope they give him the whole tenure of what if just make him the what if editor I- editor fine but i want to hear some new voices in here as well the czar of what if there we go yeah what if czar perfect <laughs> you've been anointed you've been crowned Knight. sir sir what if he could be knighted <laughs> Would you guys read a comic of just Peter Parker chatting with Aunt May? He never gets in the suit. They're just catching up. Yeah. Eating like coffee totally. cake and drinking yeah, yeah, coffee. Yeah, yeah. Talking to mm-hmm. talking to ants. I, spiders I, and ants. Yeah, spiders and ants, yeah. Next up. Batman the detective. Oh yeah. Now we're talking Tom Taylor. 
I think we all talked before this episode started, and we looked at this book, and we all came to the agreement that this book had no business being as good as it was, yep. and we were all pretty shocked by it. Oh, fucking rules. It reminded me of an episode of Sherlock. I did not want to read this comic book, and I liked it so much. It just kind of speaks to a writer can really change how a book flows and goes. And you're absolutely right. It, <laughs> can I do a little Dr. Seuss rhyming? Come on. I, I mean, you're right. It did feel like a Sherlock uh, episode because he was actually being a detective. And it was less about, you know, the violence and more about Batman, the, the thinking. Which I think man. is a lot of what people actually like about Batman. Yeah. Totally. Right. The, and then it's also like a almost Frank Miller Batman. He's huge. Like he's ripped to shreds, like kind of. Uh, it's yeah. a Qbert. <laughs> oh, yeah. And like he's he's just like looking good, but I think he's like fifty ish. Yeah, this is an older and Batman. so so he's always like pulling the whole no country thing where he's like, I'm old, I'm, I'm a little slower than I used to be. My shits take a little longer than they did before. <laughs> my coffee comes straight out my penis before when it would sit around. <laughs> okay. Oh man, I'm so, I'm really sorry you ran out of steam. I could have sat back and listened to about another hour of that. That was great. I know what it's like to be old. All right, let me spoil the core concept of this. Group of criminals. They get a bunch of people on a plane together, and then they crash that plane. We find out what everyone on the plane had in common was that Batman had saved their lives at one point. Earlier in the book, he has a bit of an existential crisis or a crisis of faith in his role as Batman because he says, what greater good have I done for the world or this city or for my loved ones? Like, nothing. I've ruined a bunch of lives. The only people I've helped are like one-off people whose lives I've saved or impacted. I have no other lasting legacy. And then people are going after that one shred of something he has to feel good about being Batman. They're calling it equilibrium. Yeah. Yeah. That right. They're, they're balancing him out. <laughs> it's so fucked up. I was like, oh, boy. And they're all dre- dark. They're dressing up like Batman as they're doing it. Yeah. They're, they have white Batman outfits just to be his, like, yin and yang. Total opposite. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's great. The one thing I did not under, like, understand about this book is that at one point in time, he fights a ghost. Gentleman ghost. <laughs> and yes. beats, beats him up with some gloves that Constantine gave him. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, why did that happen? Just go with it, man. <laughs> it set a little bit of a like a weirder, funny vibe that the rest of the comic didn't have. It gave him a cheeky moment later. Mm-hmm. And I think it was maybe to show that he is softening in his old age, that he can like joke about himself. Yeah. Because that was so not a Batman moment. Yeah. It was odd. That someone called him out for trying to impress someone. Squire. Yeah, Squire calls him out for trying to impress someone. And he's like, I did punch a ghost. I punched a ghost. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, it, it, this is how Batman should be uh, when there's not a, when you're not having to deal with all the elements of Gotham and Arkham and all of that kind of stuff. So This is a great Batman spinoff. Unfettered. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I love that it's not set in Gotham, like you just said. Like, it's he's out of his element, and which I love. Yeah. He did. <laughs> one thing that got me was, like, he leaves uh, his mansion. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm leaving forever. And I'm like, 
Well, I mean, you're okay, only, Batman. You're only leaving for six issues. All right, Bruce. <laughs> Good for this comic. Like, it's not really forever. You do this at least <laughs> once a year. Yeah. We get it. We'll go back to your giant penny and your dinosaur. Uh, they made kind of a deal about him going on to a different phase in his life. Yeah. When I'm 50, I, I will also walk away from my home and say, goodbye forever. It's called downsizing. <laughs> yeah. A lot of seniors do it. Yeah. Batman's got to do it, too, at some point. <laughs> What's up? What's next on the dock? I love this format's great. Just this rapid it, fire number ones. Moving, moving, moving. Yeah. Home on Image Comics. Home is a essentially a YA graphic novel that is a it's like a newsweek for kids. It is the news story of coming over the border and the uh terrible horrors that would have happened during the Trump administration. And frankly, to be quite honest, although wherever you lay on the political spectrum, are still happening mm-hmm. during the Biden administration, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it is a—it's a pretty much what I understood to be a verbatim story of. Oh, the there's whole. pull quotes from yeah news outlets in this, and I don't mean this as a slight, but it um, when I was like I don't even know in my teens or something like that, I bought a graphic novel of the 9/11 report because I felt like it would be a better way to read something I should just know about. Mm-hmm. If you are interested in the uh, the story of that. Home might be a good way to graphic novelize that what, what's happening there with a little bit of fantastical stuff that happens. Right. There's there is a twist where the uh, one of the main characters has some fantastical powers that I assume are going to find out more as the story continues. This is like a, a I think one it's of a four, one five, of five, one of five. This book is haunting for a lot of reasons, and one of them is this is a very real situation that is happening uh, in our country. So. Um, it's 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 a bit of a heavy book with some some promise for a, a lighter ending. I'll yeah. say. Yeah, it doesn't look super heavy, given the logo has barbed wire in it. That's pretty intimidating, but the art style is like very fun, friendly. Uh, looks like it was made for kids. Yeah, yeah. So I I didn't expect the fantasy side ending, and I didn't expect such a literal piece-by-piece piece walkthrough of, like, the crisis at the border. I had no expectations for it, and it still uh, subverted my, <laughs> those yeah. no expectations. I, w- I will say this. If you have parents, we'll call them boomers, who don't know what crossing the border border illegally and seeking asylum mean, in that they are two different things, give them this book. Right. That's because actually a great... It brilliantly tells you what are the differences. Yeah. And I was even enlightened on some things that I didn't know. And so if you have any family member that is always berating you at Thanksgiving saying, well, these people are coming here illegally, well, they're actually not. And the other thing about this comic is I I remember hearing an interview about one of these detention centers from somebody that quit because they were asked to do things they were uncomfortable with. Mm -hmm. And it's it seems like this is their exact story. Sounds like the whole job's pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. This is fucked up. Uh what's next? Ba ba da ba. Cullen Bunn and Mark Torres's Phantom on the Scan. Phantom on the Scan. <laughs> Phantom on the Scan. Appropriate uh soundtrack cuz this book was trippy. Oh yeah. Did you guys read it? Uh I I'm, I haven't read it yet, but uh, we're giant Cullen Bunn fans. He's mm-hmm. been on the show. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe he's a friend of the show. Friend of the show. We'll say that if yeah. you if you've guessed it on the show, you're a friend of the show. Oh yeah, a big fa- big friend of the show. I uh, I deep dove into the cover. Oh, you so you've got some like uh, you got some hot takes on hot the art takes on 
<laughs> I deep dove on the cover. What nuances did you find? How many articles are about the <laughs> front cover of this book? Yeah, we haven't got that's that's an untapped uh, thing I might get into um, for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> some of the some of the elements you might see on this cover right here uh, is uh, well, it looks as if Keanu Reeves is on the cover. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, the word scan is in it. And it seems to be cyberpunk, uh, reminiscent of A Scanner Darkly, one of the most famous cyberpunk movies ever to exist. And uh, the arc of the story is also on the cover, not often a move that people do. The night the comet fell. There we go. What's this uh, comic about, though? Is it cyberpunk? Is there a comet? There's a comet in the background. You can maybe try to attribute something to it by the time you've read the entire comic, but maybe, maybe not. It's not a huge part of the story. This is essentially about a guy who talks to who I believe to be his deceased son or the ghost of his deceased son or deceased child that's not related to him. Unclear to me at this point in time. But he goes to a psychiatrist and finds out that the psychiatrist has ulterior motives and has been seeing and speaking with several people who are... Psychic, have psychic abilities. Mm. She's trying to convince them they're not special, they're delusional, etc. And then all these people end up finding each other through their psychic link. Something is killing the psychic people one by one, though, and we don't know what it is yet. So this is something is killing the children for psychics. <laughs> I think I'm... what you just did there was he said something is, <laughs> and then your brain finished it with, Killing the children. Yeah, this is like uh, X-Men for psychics, or maybe you could say The Watchmen, but with psychics. But with psychics, yeah. Or Silver Surfer with w- psychics. With The Walking Dead? With psychics, right. Instead yeah. of zombies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe a comet. The zombies background. are psychic. Yes. So okay. I don't know if like the- That's why they're always eating brains. If like this comet landed or passed over and it gave these people psychic powers or gifts or whatever- that that might be the only thing with the comet. This was a sleeper comic, but your premise really sold it to me. Oh, it, it was great. Was it? And it's haunting, creepy, very Colin Bunn. Aftershock, as we often talk about, mm-hmm. is like 50-50. On their, on their books are either could be great or yeah. just like wah-wah. Um, and this is seems to be a good one. Yeah, I've been waiting for another Colin Bunn book to hit me the way Bone Parish did. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be that book. Bone, wow. Bone Parish I stuck with for whatever the run was, 12 issues or so. That's like drugs of dead bodies or something like yeah, that? Yeah, you... you Crush <laughs> up the bones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you smoke the skull. You, yeah, you snort it. You, you snort dead people and then you get to like hallucinate living as them. Yeah. Who is the concept of yeah. that book. So, so good. Like bones of like rock stars and like famous people were being stolen and people were taking them. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad this book is good. It's called um, Doing Death. I will definitely. It's so good. I I know there's like a lot of things that I tried to describe that are very unclear here, but just the mysteries of the haunting scene that's been set up that just kind of throws you into a situation and then you pick up the pieces just by knowing enough and taking, you know, Cullen Bunn's word for it that Cullen usually does that in the first issue. He like makes it really murky, but you're just like, I want to keep going here. Like you have just made it enticing enough where I am in it. I am in it. I'm ready for this, Cullen. Leave you wanting more, baby. Phantom of the Scan. Last book. Oh. Locust. The Locust. Season of Sex. Best Scout book I've ever read. 
Oh. Whoa. Wow. Scout, take that. Yep. So you're telling me, Stabity Rabbit. Murder Hobo. Gut Ghost. <laughs> Loggerhead. <laughs> Other. The list goes on. By books. the Horns. Yeah. But, but was oh, By, by the, the Horns, horns Scout? Is, by the Horns is great. Yeah, By the Horns is Scout. Did, can you, as we all kind of share similar musical upbringings of the same era? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Do you see this? the name of this comic book and not think of the locust the band i do think of the locust the band i have every time I every time that. yeah i al- i also thought of brood x okay which is the coolest name for a coming storm of cicadas <laughs> and this is this You're is absolutely right. i think it, I, the timing of this is like great because there was like tons of news articles hitting this week on like locusts and cicadas and stuff like about that. how they're coming yeah for the summer the, over the, the year Yes, this is the 17-year brood. And so this is obviously about a plague. Yes. I was going to say, is are locusts in this book? Kind of. Excellent. Okay. What makes this just like elevator pitch us? Why is this the best scout book ever? Because that's a bolt. We've, we've covered a shit ton of scout books. One, look at this cover. Okay, apocalyptic, you have me. Fucking great. Doesn't look like someone's learning to draw... <laughs> Half-assed. <laughs> While they're working through this. Yeah. Like, this is someone- We're looking at you, murder hobo. An established style <laughs> that can draw characters consistently page to page, mm-hmm. like color panels and scenes well and cohesively, and set up a, a great uh, visual story, right? When it flashes from past to present, which is a great device it uses to tell the story, it goes from this, like, sparsity of- uh, present day post-apocalyptic back to like the hours prior to the apocalypse essentially coming and that narrative switch is done beautifully they vibe completely differently um you can tell when we've gone back in time and forward in time like something that a lot of i think independent comics you take for granted as a creator that people understand the story that's in your head like, it makes so much sense to you, and then you don't put yourself in the reader's shoes and say, like, oh, well, if I don't know this already about right. the thing I'm telling, like, does it make sense? Like, this seemed like it could have been a Skybound book to me. Wow. Again, really sparse, dialogue written really well, heavier dialogue in, like, the before times, um, which makes sense because there's more people to interact with, right? Um, and then it's kind of a monster alien story. Cool. But it's not heavy-handed or corny with it when i read the synopsis of it and kind of got a taste for what this was going to be i was like it's going to be typical over the top in your face a goofball alien story and it was nuanced quiet driving a lot of good words i think it was supposed to have come out last week is that right and then something happened or whatever but um so i'm glad we're covering it because it got a little bit of under a play all right i think that does it I'll end my soliloquy on Locust <laughs> to send you off into your dreamscape. Man, we did a lot of number ones. Number ones is where the industry's at, and number ones is what we cover. There's a six-pack of them we I got I can make today. one bold guarantee about this episode. You will not hear another episode this week that covered more number ones. Oh, you never hear another episode guarantee that covers it. more ones. And that's why you come here. That's why you come to the First Issue Club. Yep. To get this. To get this kind of content. In under an hour, mind you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't take it, and we don't take much of your time. 
No. We are in and out. We're in and out. We hit you with the good stuff, leave you with a smile, we're the f- and then we'll see you in a week. We're the fast food of comic books if fast food served you lettuce wraps. Yep. We're, uh, what you call it, Jimmy John's. Except we're, we don't hunt animals. We're so fast you flip. Free smells. We're like <laughs> your favorite kind of sex, getting it over with. Yep. Getting to the fun part and being done. We're like having sex with us. We're good for two minutes tops. Mm-hmm. And then we'll hold you afterwards. If you'd like that. Yeah. Well, as I would assume, we wouldn't do that if we weren't asked to do it. Yes. Yeah. Sex with us, it's not bad. <laughs> Signing off. <laughs>